Welcome to Your Life Matters Today, hosted by Dr. Cliff Robertson. Listen in close for tips and the tools you need to discover how to build your best life, overcome mental health challenges, and understand your self-worth. Now, here is Dr. Cliff Robertson. Well, good morning. This is uh, Your Life Matters Today. I'm Dr. Cliff Robertson, Jr., your, your host, and it's so good to be back with you. You know, sometimes life can throw us challenges that are beyond our even our capacity to even consider overcoming, but but I want you to know that regardless of what life throws at you, so far you have a 100% batting average of getting through it. You, you do. You, your life matters more than you could ever begin to imagine. You impact this world around you so much that, the, that this world would be so much less without your active engagement. I am blessed today to have uh, Tanya Scott of Together for the Good on with me. Good morning, Tanya. How are you doing? Good morning, great. How are you? I, I'm doing great. I'm I, I'm doing great. I am I, I'm so excited about this about this time with you. I hate to even call it a call it an interview. It's more of a you know let's just let's just talk about some of these some of these challenging issues and uh, just 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 kind of dive in. Could could we get started, Tanya? Was you, you just kind of kind of telling the uh, the listening audience who you are and what you do? Just kind of give oh, us a little background. This could be an all day adventure. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Um, my name is uh, Tanya Tanya Scott, obviously, uh, like he said, but I am the CEO of Together for the Good. We are a military and first responder uh, nonprofit that we are not only local, but we are national um, in almost all 50 states. Um, and we focus on the mental health, the PTSD, in the hopes of preventing uh, suicide amongst our first responders and military. But I think what sets us apart is uh, we also include the family and family crisis intervention and how that looks in healing for them as well. Um, because also often we forget that the family is in crisis as well as the individual. Well, they absolutely are. And, and, and I know that a lot of people don't even consider that when they're, you know, when they see this going on, when they see somebody, you know, see a veteran struggling, they don't realize how much the vet, the veteran's family is is suffering right along with them. Can, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, mine comes from my own personal experience. I am a military spouse. My husband was in the army. Um, he was in Operation Desert Storm. Um, unfortunately, he came back with a traumatic brain injury, and nobody taught me. Nobody gave me a blueprint on what a brain injury looked like and what the repercussions of a blue uh, a brain injury was. Um, so there was a lot of verbal, mental, and sometimes physical abuse that took place. Um, and with that came immense regret, uh, for my husband, which, uh, it, it turned into five, five suicide attempts for him. Wow. Um, and nobody's ever told me what suicide looks like, right? Nobody's ever sat down and said, Hey, these are the signs to look out for. You can hear people talking about it on the distance, or you can go to, uh, someone like myself who is now well-educated, very well-educated on this, um, and say, hey, what do I look for? But nobody gave me that blueprint because we're talking we're talking 90s, early 2000s before this was even popular in the VA system, right? So that's something you don't talk about. Um, I grew up in a very conservative family where what happens behind closed doors stays behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't talk about this. You don't talk about 
the elephant in the room when you're struggling, you got to put on a happy face and keep walking forward. And I think that that did a lot of damage to myself because I kept it in for so long. Um, and that's one thing that we focus on is making sure that the family's as equally educated and has the same resources the individual in crisis does because they also have to heal through it. Um, and I think that's it's something that nobody really talks about. I've come across a lot of military spouses that are victims of domestic abuse and they don't talk about it because they don't want to, they don't want to mess up the reputation of the soldier or they don't want to mess up the reputation of the police officer because this is their livelihood. And heaven forbid, if you mess up their livelihood, then your livelihood becomes messed up. So it's a two-edged sword on this one that um, I just think it's time for us to start having these very uncomfortable conversations and healing everybody. Well, and you know, these uncomfortable conversations can be um, very difficult on a on a good day, and then when you know, you know when we when we see all these other things going on in the world, we think, <clears throat> you know, you know, what is the answer? So just just kind of talk me through because I want to spend the, the first part of this kind of talking about together for the good. We're, we're going to talk about some of these other things, uh, but I, but I, but I really want to get to know. Uh, what do you guys do there? Because I, because it's an important mission. You know, I've had I've had a little bit of experience dealing with with families of you know of veterans, and uh, and I and I know what that's like a little bit. But but you guys really dive in deep there, and I, and I really just kind of like to hear a little more about that. Absolutely. Um, one thing that we focus on um, is group setting therapy, talk therapy, um, because I feel like if we put another person that is hurting with another person, they understand each other, they can feed off from each other. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the medical term for it is, but it's kind of like the twinning effect. You take someone, you, when I, I'm a twin. So when I was first born, we weren't supposed to make it. I was four pounds, three ounces. And my twin was even less weight than me. So what happened was, is they put me in the same incubator as her or the same whatever bed as her, and we started healing each other. So that's the process of what we take. If you take two people that are quote unquote broken, and I absolutely hate that word for so many reasons. If we take two people like that and put them together, they start, they start mimicking and helping each other out. And I think that is the process that has helped us grow to the success that we are in now is that we allow the people to focus on what care looks like for them, what healing looks like for them. And then in return, the other person can watch and hopefully heal them as well. You know, I love that because, you know, I've, I've seen uh, different grief groups go through, you know, go through that process. And, and when you hear somebody else's story, I mean, it's, you know, it's one thing for somebody to tell you, well, well, well you're not alone. Yeah. You're not the only one that has suffered. Well, Sometimes that doesn't really help. That just that could actually compound it. But when you actually hear their story and you realize that there are other people really kind of going through this valley of the shadow of death quite literally with you at the same time, or or maybe they've been through it and they can kind of help walk you through it, you know, walk you through it as well because they they're they like I said, they've been there. Right. It's uh it's powerful. It's it, it's it's empowering. Yeah, I would say. Yep. So we have, like, that's a that's essentially the reason why we did it. 
right? So we have a separate group for police officers. We have a separate group for combat vets. We have a separate group for veterans that didn't see combat because what we found was um, veterans that did not see combat that sat in the same room with someone that did combat, they felt less as an individual. So they decided not to open up. They didn't want to talk about what they went through. Um, Some of them had MST. So you sit there and they're like, well, they didn't have it. And I don't want to talk about that in front of someone. So we had to individualize groups and what that looked like for each person that say, all right. So like every, every day of the week is something different. Every day of the week is, is something more challenging and it's, it's been rewarding. It's been um, sad. It's been traumatizing for myself as well um, just to sit in other people's grief. But I think that, you know, this is something that we need to focus on, not only as community, but as a nation, that we need to start individualizing care and what that looks like for the individual instead of put them all in the same group. Well, I, you know, I know you're right. I, I know you're right. I, uh, I, I, I recently wrote, a, wrote an article based on, uh, you know, the VA has, has, has stated that they have, they have spent over $200 billion on trying to solve this mental health problem. And they are no closer to an answer than they were before. And I believe that it that that you nailed it on, you know, you know, right on the head is because they they haven't individualized the care necessarily. That's it's become it's it's become this the standardized system that you know this person gets these drugs or they get these many sessions or 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 this or that. And it's um, and you've got to come here to do it. You got I mean, and a lot of times people suffer and are struggling. Um, they don't have a high level of trust in those systems. Right. Well, because- anyone says the word VA, nobody has trust in that system. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Somebody said, hey, go to the VA. No. <laughs> right. Now, so- now, don't get me wrong. I have had great success with them, you know, and, and, and in fact, the organization that, you know, that I founded, the Warriors Refuge, is, is we work with the VA every day. But I understand because I've also been in those rooms <clears throat> where, you know, I've seen the shouting matches. I've seen where somebody is being forgotten, overlooked. And, and all, I mean, I've I've been there. But, you know, you don't just deal with the uh, veteran. You, you also are working on the first responder and their family. One of the interesting bit of research, you know, bits of research that, I, that, that, I've, that I've done is that um, – Firefighters, policemen, you know, EMS and all that, they have the, the highest vocational suicide rate of yeah. any current active job category in America. Yep. Um, Nobody I, talks about that. And I think I think that's where a lot of my passion comes from. My father is a firefighter. Um, my dad does have PTSD, but he does not speak about it. So in May, we had an event um, at Gun Lake Casino, which is our big casino out here Um, in Michigan. We had an event out here and we put 175 first responders and paramedics and military in the same room. And we talked, we had that uncomfortable conversation about mental health and PTSD and suicide. And my dad actually came to it and he left in tears. And I have to believe that if I do... If we do not keep creating a safe space of something like this, they're never going to open up and admit that their pain and their trauma is valid. Because in my dad's eyes, 
his is less minimized for somebody that's been on the job 50 years and he's been on the job 10 years. But every chance my dad gets, he's at a car crash. He's he's at a fire. My dad had my dad had a massive heart attack three years ago while he was responding to a fire. And he just doesn't talk about it. No, they don't. And and and, and here's what's interesting. I was I was I was talking with a uh, retired uh Houston, Houston, Texas, you know, not volunteer, but Houston, Texas, uh, a member of the Houston Fire Department. I'll get it right in a minute. Um, my, my tongue gets tangled. Um, and and he was part of um, their Are You OK team. And um, so during, you know, just right after the, you know, the immediate trauma, they would they would be there on on, on scene to kind of talk to some of the firefighters or EMS because sometimes the things they see, we don't even want to, not only do we not want to talk about it, we don't even want to think about it, right. but they've seen it, been there, burned bodies. Yeah. My dad said that and, smell was forever stuck in his nose. Um, of course. Burned body that he's forever stuck in his nose. He smells it all the time. He says, but he knows every, heart attack, every crash, every fire, he can go around town and pinpoint exactly where it is. And I'm like, dad, that's trauma. That's PTSD. And he's like, no, it's not. It's just me doing my job. <laughs> I'm like, no, dad, that's no, not no. what it is. <laughs> but, so but, I have, I, but here's what's interesting. Let me, let, let me interject this here because we're going to go to a break here in just a minute. What was interesting about what my retired firefighter told me is that nobody wanted to talk to them. Because they were called their their you know the term that they referred to this group that would come out on scene, they were the crazy squad. And if you were seen talking with the crazy squad, that must mean that you are crazy. And pretty soon you will find yourself before an evaluation board and maybe being suspended because you are talking to the crazy squad. Yeah. And that's I'll pick crazy. up on I'll, I'll pick up on that. I'll pick up on that one because it's uh I talked to the chief out here uh, because that's one of my jobs is I have to go from department to department. And I asked them if they had a mental health crisis team and they said no. And I was like, what do you guys do after like a serious incident? And they're like, well, we sit around in a circle, we debrief and move on. And I'm like, but do you talk? Do you, do you have these conversations? And he's like, no, they say they're all right. And we move on. So yeah. I don't know if somebody's behind closed doors drinking a fifth before they go to a crash. And I, I just, we, we, it's such a disservice, such a disservice. We do. We do. And um, uh, Tanya, we're going to go to a break, but when we come back, we're going to be talking about mental health and uh, complex PTSD and um, might hear a little bit more of your story as well. If you don't uh, yay. <laughs> I know. know. You've been listening to Your Life Matters today. I'm Dr. Cliff Robertson, Jr. on with uh, Tanya Scott of Together for the Good, and we will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you're struggling to understand your self-worth or deal with mental health challenges, you will want to tune into Your Life Matters Today with Dr. Cliff Robertson. 
Dr. Cliff and his guests will help you understand and work toward what you need to build your best life. Your life matters today. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're tuned into Your Life Matters Today with Dr. Cliff Robertson. If you have a question for Dr. Robertson or his guests, you can join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show with Dr. Cliff Robertson. Hey, and welcome back. And for those of you that never left, welcome back again. <laughs> this is Dr. Cliff, and I've got uh, Tanya Scott on the, uh, on the uh, show with me today. And, and I am just so happy that we're able to have these, these tough conversations about um, suicide and, and first responders and our, and our veterans. And, uh, you know, it's, you know it, it, it's never easy to talk about these things, you know, is it, Tanya? Never is. It never is. But it's far better to have these conversations now than to have the conversation about what happens when we don't talk about it. I think we did a, like I said, we did a huge disservice not speaking on anything in this magnitude. Um, because now how do you open up that dialogue? Because now some of them have 20, 30 years of repressed trauma. And how do you start having them pick away the layers of what that looks like? Um and myself, uh, I have complex PTSD from childhood trauma and everything that I've gone through with um, being a military spouse and the abuse and suicide. Like I, I've been through it. Um, so sitting in that uncomfortability of trauma and having to go layer by layer is something that's very uncomfortable, uncomfortable for myself, uh, let alone somebody else that's had 30 years of, of trauma buried on top of them. So I think like the best thing that I can say is you have to take that first step forward. Like you have to be willing to say I've had enough. Right. And, and that is for some people an impossible step to make, especially when they're, when they're suffering from, you know, TBI, traumatic brain injury, and they don't see what they're doing. You know, they don't necessarily get it. And that can be difficult. And I, and I know that you, you know, I know that you have dealt with that in the, in the people that you serve as well as what you've told me in your own home. I think that's, uh, so I'm getting like double trauma, right? I'm getting like a sandwich buffet <laughs> of trauma. Trauma sandwich. 
And I can laugh and joke about it now, but if you would have asked me two years ago to walk this, I would have been like, no, I don't want to. And it took me, I was actually dealing with a patient that my realization finally set in. I don't like calling them patients. I say clients. So I was dealing with one of my clients um, and we were talking about, she was active duty and she ended up getting raped and didn't want to go forward to command. And uh, like all of a sudden I had tunnel vision. I could not talk to her. I couldn't say anything. I couldn't. It was like, I was reliving my whole trauma in that instance. And I was like, I got to let you go. I got to let you go. I have to deal with something. And I had to check myself into our, our Pine Rest Hospital. And I think that was the scariest moment, the scariest realization that I was like, oh my gosh, I got an issue. Yeah. 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 And that's, but having the courage to be able to do that and to, to step out of that moment and realize it is, 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 is a, is a victory in and of itself. And, well, I, can and, be, and, I can be 100% honest. I was going to kill myself. I really, I really was. I've, I, I had those very, very dark thoughts. I had a bottle of Percocet in my hand and I was like, I'm taking this whole bottle. I'm done. And you, you know me, I'm a woman of God and even women of God or people in religion have these dark, these dark, dark thoughts. And of course I we do. I, I literally had a voice that like, I, and I would like to believe it was divinely a divine voice. I had this voice that said, stop as loud as can be. And I literally, that was Sunday, that Monday at 9am I was at Pine Rest and I was like, I'm not like, I was numb. I was completely numb. I, I could not feel anything anymore. I couldn't, I couldn't think it's like a whole complete fog came over my brain and I couldn't, I didn't even know who I was anymore. And I think if you get to that point right there, I think you are in some serious, serious trouble. Well, you are. And, and, and I can tell you a little bit about my story. Um, and it's been 20 years now. So it's, it's, it's something that I have, you know, dealt with and, uh, and, you know, really dealt with, but, uh, you know, I lost my, I lost my wife, a little girl on a car accident. Um, they were, they were actually on their way to the doctor and, uh, wife um uh her uh her van it, it was a two-lane road no shoulder <clears throat> wheels dropped off the right or the or the side you know the right side wheels dropped off the dropped off the, the pavement and she overcorrected into on, oncoming traffic first accident she never even had a ticket but i but i lost them and uh, and it was horrible um the the pain attached to that was beyond anything that I would ever wish on, on, on anybody. But there came a time, um, I think I want to say about three or four weeks later where I just couldn't stop crying. And it, it literally felt like, you know, you talked about that tunnel vision, like my whole world was beginning to close in on me. There was this quite literal tunnel <clears throat> that, that unless you've been there, you don't understand. Right. And, and it was like, it was just like, it, it was like getting more narrow and more narrow. And, and I didn't know what to do. Um, I, I didn't have a clue what to do. And, uh, somebody had given me a book. Um, <laughs> I'm going to mention it. I'm not saying this necessarily disparagingly, but it was why bad things happen to good people. And, and, it, and it was written by a Jewish rabbi and, uh, and I only read the first five or 10 pages, but all it did was create more questions and I needed no more questions. 
Right. I, right. I, I didn't need. I, I didn't need another question. I just needed answers. So I literally threw the book out the window of my truck because I was sitting in a, uh, in, you know, in a Home Depot parking lot, and I was just like you. I was, um, I was ready to drive off a bridge, yeah. and you know, and just be done. Um, but like you, I had a divine moment as well. I remembered that right across the highway was this Christian bookstore that my wife and I had been to before. She kind of drug me in looking for things. I didn't, I wasn't really actively involved in faith, but I, but I, but I remembered it was there. I was thinking, well, maybe there's an answer there. And there was, it was in the form of a book called Where is God When Bad Things Happen, written by Dr. Luis Palau. And, uh, and I'd seen him at a conference and I have to tell you, I sat down on the floor of that bookstore and read that book that day. And it literally saved my life. You're giving me goosebumps. Um, You're giving me goosebumps because I have to believe in moments like that, that true divinity actually works. Um, If you like, you don't have to be on faith to understand um, that you are human and you are going to go through those moments in life. Um, But you also have to have a way and to get out of those moments before you go down a very, very, very dark path. So I just want to say my deepest condolences to you. I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. Like I, I, I can't even imagine like that's a, that, that is one of my deepest, darkest fears right there is that I will lose somebody suddenly and be so completely lost and not understand what to do. Like I, I, my heart goes out to you. Well, I will tell you that at various points during that whole process, there were, there were other moments of divine intervention, but that's the one that uh, stands out the most. And uh, so, so I believe that, you know, as, as people of faith, it doesn't exempt us from going through these things. We just, <laughs> I at tell all. people, you got promoted, honey, you got, pro- <laughs> you got promoted to pain. Well, you do. And, um, you know, and, and one of the things I've experienced working with people with PTSD is people of faith actually struggle harder because maybe there's a moral injury. Maybe there's something, you know, you know, something else that they've had to deal with that is in direct conflict and they feel like their life is over. Have, have, have you experienced any of that? I think, um, I, I think this is such a valid point that you just brought up. Um, because moral injury is so very little talked about. And um, I do not bring um, God into anything unless it's brought up first. Right. And I, I tell people, like, there's a difference between a mental health crisis and spiritual warfare. And I think for them to know the difference of what one looks like, they mimic each other. That the darkness and the torment from spiritual warfare to mental health crisis are are walking a parallel line, but because we are not educated on moral injury, we are doing a disservice to those that do believe in God or believe in whatever religion that you believe in. We forget that there is a moral injury. Um, My grandfather is one of those that I use as an example in any of my in any of my. I don't want to say sermons because it's not a sermon, but any of my, uh, when I go for conferences and speak on it, because uh, I do, I speak openly on moral injury. Uh, my grandfather, man of God, went to Vietnam 
And when he came back, he was a very, very cold and bitter man because he didn't understand as a man of God how he could go and kill an enemy when he didn't even know that person. So my grandfather struggled until the day he died with a moral injury and decided like he absolutely hated the VA, he hated the VA system, um, refused to be buried under the flag, didn't want the didn't want the flag on his coffin, didn't want the 21 gun salute. My grandpa died a very, very bitter man. And it's because he did not know how to address what a moral injury of war looked like. And that is one thing that I I I would like to believe that we as therapists, doctors have to have a better understanding of what we can do for those that do have a moral injury, how to address it and what that looks like on a mental health and moral injuries front. So that's something that we're fighting out here because they don't want to talk about it. No, they don't. I was, uh, I, I was talking with a family of a, uh, of a uh, veteran that, 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 that ended his own life last year, uh, about October. And, you know, they were telling stories about, <clears throat> you know, some of the things that he, he was involved in. Um, he was part of a special boats team, special warfare. And part of the, part of the work was going up and down you know, the rivers when there would be, um, uh, you know, when, when there was a curfew there, there in Iraq and, um, and, and the people were told that if you're seen crossing that river after this time, um, there was no exception, you know, you will be eliminated basically, you know, and, uh, and that was what his, one of his jobs as a, as a special boat team leader, they had to do. And, uh, and, and it didn't matter. Um, women, children, men, dogs, cats, goats, it didn't matter. Um, there'd been such a, uh, uh, such an influx of people crossing that river to, uh, to do, to do bad things. They simply had to draw that, that literal line and uh, tell them it's not going to be okay. And uh, um, imagine having to live with that, live with, yeah. with that. Like we look at the withdrawal from Afghanistan and all the people left behind that they made friends with. And I think that there's a lot of people, um, especially in the military community uh, that still feel this way to this day that we literally turned our back on um, men, women, and children that we were meant to defend and protect and, from evil people taking and killing them and hurting them. And a lot of people are struggling with that still to this day. And we're a year out um, this week from the withdrawal from Afghanistan. And I think that I would like to believe that this mission wasn't in vain, but the feelings and the emotions and everything that go with it, um, it, it's still raw. Like this week, I guarantee I'm going to have more individuals reaching out than I have before, like, because we're walking up on an anniversary. It's no difference than walking up on a 9-11 anniversary. You're feeling that pain and discomfort all over again. And this is where your anxiety starts kicking in and the depression starts kicking in. And we're at one year, one year of 13 soldiers, one year of, of pain and heartache and feelings all over again. Um, because they were never taught to handle it, have, you know, I, I just, there's just so much, there's just so much. 
Well, there is. And, you know, the, you know, the flashbacks, the, you know, the remembering, the, uh, <clears throat> you know, the feeling like, you you know, you could have done more, you know, the, uh, all those things that just continue to, you know, they, 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 they start this like DVD in your, you know, in your head that it's like, it's on automatic replay uh, over and over again. You can't seem to shut it down. And what happens a lot of times with those folks is that they, they do things to quiet those things down. And a lot of times that looks like drugs or alcohol. And eventually that stops working and they really want to silence it. And that's where they become that next statistic. Um, yeah, yeah, my, a day. Yeah, my, uh, my uncle killed himself Memorial Day of this year. Oh, wow. Um, I don't, I don't know why. Um, I'm still str- I'm still struggling with it. Um, last year, last year, my other uncle took his life. Um, so I'm not exempt. I'm not exempt from suicide. I'm not exempt from any trauma that anybody else has to walk through. I live with this on a daily basis. Um, and it's all raw. It's all new. I still haven't mourned my best friend from three years ago. I still have not been to his gravesite. Because I do not want to feel that uncomfortable pain and ask the question why, because I just don't want to sit in it, right? So if I don't want to sit in it, I don't want to know the questions and the answers. How do you get somebody else to come forward and say, I want to have this conversation. I want to know why. Because if I can't sit through it, how are they going to sit through it? Right, but as as we both know, that's exactly what needs to happen. Um, <clears throat> absolutely, is what needs to happen, and it, and it can be the toughest conversations we ever have, even if they are just with ourselves at first. Yeah. But uh, you know, one of the things that I that I read the other day, and I think I ended up posting it too, is that which we do not repair, we repeat. And oh, true. Uh, um, while we don't like the term broken. Um, Tanya, I'm as broken as the, you know, you know, you know, as anybody else. Um, we're getting ready to come up on a break. And by the way, you're listening to Your Life Matters today. I'm Dr. Cliff Robertson with with Tanya Scott of Together for the Good. And we're talking about some tough topics today. We're talking about PTSD and suicide and um veterans and first responders and family members who've taken their lives and people that we're working with and our own challenges. And and I would encourage you to listen in. We're gonna as we go to this 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 next break, uh, we're going to continue to talk. And if you want to get the uh, get the rest of the story, if you would, um, stealing a Paul, Paul Harveyism, ah, yeah. um, you can um, you can listen in to. We're gonna we're gonna post this later. Um, so anyway, uh, we're gonna go to a break, but Tanya and I are gonna keep talking. So so you can listen to that a little later. So just just kind of hang in. You're listening to Your Life Matters today, and we'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. 
Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Do you dream about success but wonder how to get there? Hillary DeCesar and her guests will reveal how they relaunched into lives they only dreamt about. Their stories will inspire and surprise you and ignite your inner sparks. The Relaunch, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Connect with us and we'll connect with you. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on LinkedIn. Get the first word about happenings with the network, where our next live event will be, and what's up with our hosts. Look up Voice America on LinkedIn. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You're tuned into Your Life Matters Today with Dr. Cliff Robertson. If you have a question for Dr. Robertson or his guests, you can join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show with Dr. Cliff Robertson. Hey, and welcome back. Um, We are here, um, Your Life Matters Today, and we're talking with Tanya Scott for Together for the Good. and. Again, if you want to get the uh, the rest of the story, we're continuing to talk during these breaks. <clears throat> but if you want to get the rest of the story, uh, we're going to post the uh, you know the full Zoom video later. Uh, but I'm going to have Tanya just continue just to continue on her conversation. You may have missed part of that, but the story will <clears throat> will uh, catch you up pretty quick. Please continue, ma'am. Right. <clears throat> um, so, like I said, he uh, was Operation Desert Storm. And he was in Fort Hood, Texas. Now we're talking about my husband right now. Um, he was in Fort Hood, Texas, and he ended up getting hit upside the head with a two by four. And it went a hundred percent undiagnosed. Um, he doesn't remember a bunch of it. All he knows is that uh, a medic pulled up to him and said, Hey, you're bleeding from the head. And they took him to uh, the on base, uh, Med, med center or whatever the heck it is, um, took him there. He ended up with 26 staples in his head and oh, wow. sent him back to active duty. <clears throat> they did like, there was no follow-up, no x-rays, no anything to make sure internal bleeding wasn't there. But well, we're talking operation does a storm. So you're talking nineties. So that's something that really was not even discussed. Traumatic brain injury, let alone PTSD. Um, and within a year, uh, like the two other soldiers that he was with, one ended up with a broken jaw and the other one lost his ear. So this is a pretty violent, this was a pretty violent attack on some soldiers on their own turf. So really disappointing that stuff like that even happens, but it happens. Um, so you fast forward a year and he already showed signs for a brain injury. Um, he was showing up to formation without his uniform pressed. He was getting pretty... Uh, pretty mouthy with command and he started getting demoted rank 
And finally, they looked at him after at his four-year mark and said, you've got to go. So what did they do? They threw him out into civilian world, and it, it's been hell on him ever since. Um, he knew nothing about the VA. He knew nothing about what um, his benefits were. And I, like I said, I believe that everything happens for a reason, but I had ended up meeting him Um I had ended up meeting him while I was a nurse at the VA and I was talking to my colleagues and I was like, ah, something's not right with this man. Cause we would be in, we would be in a grocery store and there was, I will always remember this. Cause this is like a defining moment of what the hell is wrong with this man. Um, we we're in a grocery store and I don't know what triggered it, but there was a little old lady in front of us and he just flipped out he thought this little old lady and her husband were talking about him and they were going to kill him. And I was like, I have no idea what to do. He started screaming and throwing things and like security showed up and cops showed up. And I was like, I have never seen this in my life. I've never seen this in my life. I don't know what this is. And I, and mind you, I'm around brain injury patients 20 all the time, 24 seven at my job. I'm around brain injury patients but nobody ever tells you what to look for in a brain injury patient when it's your own significant other. I can turn it off when I go to work. I can turn it off and I'll have to deal with it. And when I get home, it's something completely different. So it, it just was not clicking. It wasn't making sense to me. So yeah, so I ended up talking to my colleagues and they're like, it sounds like he has a brain injury. Well, at this point, we didn't know if he qualified for any benefits because they gave him a dishonorable discharge for... Um, all his demotions. So we were like, I don't even know what to do because I was always taught dishonorable discharge means you get no benefits. So unless you have like a service connected (laughs) issue and then they would revisit what it is like they'll, they'll promote, well, whatever they'll put, they'll put the discharge different. Um, So I went to the VA and we fought with them for four years before they would even, even let him be seen. And I was like, it's to the point where I was like, I will sue you guys. I will sue you because you guys did this. You created a monster. Now, mind you, in between the four years between, I thought it was a brain, in- like being told it was a brain injury till the four years leading up to the exam. Um, that was hell on earth. Like he was, he became homicidal at some point where he was going to take a gun and go kill somebody because that's what his brain is telling him to do. Right. So we went <clears throat> to what he was the- trying to do. Yeah, right. That's what he's trained to do. He's trained to kill. Like, that's just what this man did. Um, And the unfortunate part is, like, that sticks with you, right? That will always be, like, mission is to kill. There is no compromise. It's the enemy. You're the bad person. But I'm not the enemy. I'm your wife. And that's not what it's looked at. So, you know, you fast forward the four years and the, just the just back and forth and the anger and just frustration, just dealing with the system alone. Er, this is in the, this is early 2000. So at this time, the VA already has a bad rep. VA is already backlogged several months, like no, not months, years. VA is already backlogged years because now you got your operation desert storm coming out. They're getting ready to be discharged. They have all these injuries now, now they got to figure out them. Now, you know, they have the claims from Vietnam and everybody. Like, I just, it was such a bad, bad, bad situation. Um, and it wasn't until 2009 did 
they finally say, hey, well, if this is what happens, if we find out that you have a traumatic brain injury and it's from service connection, we will take care of you the rest of your life. So we go to the big VA that we have out here. We go to the big VA hospital with 24, within 24 hours. Um, his test came back that he had five, three centimeter inch blood clots calcified on his brain. And where they're located, it's on his frontal lobe. Um, so it affects his judgment, it affects his, it affects his memory, affects everything. So it's, it's been a nightmare. It's been a nightmare to say the least. And I love that man with all my heart. And some people keep saying, I don't know why you stay, but I stay because I would love to believe that if it was, if I was in this situation right here, someone would want to stick by my side because everybody else walked away and the VA ultimately had to come back and say, yep, we will take responsibility for it. And they, they did a hundred percent disabled homebound because they said he's a danger to himself and an employer. And I'm like, great. Now you have that label the rest of your life. So he can never carry a gun. Like we got flagged in the system. The state of Michigan <laughs> flagged us. They're like, you can never carry a gun. Uh, you can't adopt any kids. Like people don't understand the label that comes with being labeled as hundred percent like crazy at this point. Really? That's what they're saying here. That's, that's to put it in a nice, very, very nice way. But he was, yeah, it's been a nightmare. I I remember one specific event where he knocked me out. And I think that he lives with that guilt and that shame and that anger um, because it does replay over and over in his head sometimes. Um, because like you did it. And then the next day he tried to kill himself. Um, so I'm very privy to what suicide is. I'm very privy to trying to talk your loved one off from the edge because I had to do it with my husband and I only have I done it with my husband once. I've done it five times and um, it's the hardest thing that you'll ever have to do. And I live, I live with a day where is it, is it going to be a moment where I have to bury my husband because he's going to take his life. And I live with that every day. Well, that is, that is a, a heavy burden to carry. And, and I, and I salute you for walking through that because <clears throat> Let's just face it. I, you know, I believe we each have a call in our lives, and uh, and while I'm not qualified to tell you what your call is, I believe that you're probably walking it out, and oh, to, and to leave that man alone would be, um, I'm not sure that's something that you could live with. No, I tried it. I tried. <laughs> I tried. I tried to leave, and I I tried to leave and um, be like for my own mental health and reasons. I was like. Maybe this is something I cannot sign up for. Uh, but it's always been in the back of my head. Try one more time. Just one more time. Right now, um, he was diagnosed with uh, early onset dementia uh, f- about five years ago. So some days he doesn't remember things. Some days he doesn't know who I am. And I live with that. I, I live with the shell of a husband that I know I'm going to have to deal with the rest of my life. And what that looks like, only God knows. So I... I take the good with the bad. Well, and at the, you know, you know, you know, one of the things that's such a, such an inspiration though, is the fact that you're not just dealing with that. You're helping others learn how to, to deal with it as well and walk through it. And, 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 and that's what, what together for the good is all about. And we only have a few minutes left, Tanya. So I, I really want to shift the focus back 
back to your organization. <clears throat> you know, if you could, you know, you know, give us, you know, just kind of a 60 second blurb about, uh, about that mission. Uh, I know we started with it, but let's, let's kind of wrap it back up. Yeah. Um, so like I said earlier, Together for the Good is focused on the overall well-being of not only the person in crisis, but the family. Um, because it's a better, as as a team, we work better as a team. As, as somebody that has had to learn to deal with stuff like this and what a routine looks like and what a routine looks like to somebody in crisis, um, I believe that the family has to be a, a huge component in this or we're simply just going to keep running in circles and they're going to keep going back um, to what they're familiar with. And that's the trauma. And that is the drinking or the elk, the, 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 the drinking or the drugs or uh, whatever they do to escape their pain in reality, because the family has not been healed together. Um, so I believe that is, that is what my calling is. I believe that is the purpose of what I have to do is to help other families go through fa- uh, crisis. So we have family crisis intervention services. We have mental health services, PTSD, suicide prevention. I, I do a lot of uh, work with the VA. I do a lot of work with Blue Star families, um, our local fire police. We, we work with every single one of them to see what does healing look like as an individual and not as a um, one size fits all component. Well, Tanya, we are unfortunately officially out of time. Um, this is Dr. Cliff Robertson Jr., and I'm on the uh, on this, uh, this 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 show today with Tanya Scott of Together for the Good, <clears throat> a uh, nonprofit based out of Michigan, but you guys are nationwide now as well, uh, serving the uh, the veteran and first first responder community and their families. Uh, with suicide prevention, mental health, and, and any of the resources that 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 can be that can be mustered to help, and and if you are out there and you want to engage and you want to be a, be a part of a solution, I would encourage you to to look to look up Tanya, look up together for the good, and uh, help them continue their mission because it is a mission that is life changing and saving lives quite literally. I know we're out of time. Tanya, thank you so much for your time today. I know that you're incredibly busy and it's been tough for us to be able to uh, to touch base, but man, it's been so worth it. I, I feel like, like you said earlier, you know, I've, you know, I've got a new friend here and we're going to be continue to collaborate. We've got a similar mission, but we're out of time. So I've got to let you go. This has been Your Life Matters Today with Dr. Cliff Robertson and my guest, Tanya Scott of Together, thank you. Uh, Together for the Good. Thank you so much and have a great day, guys. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Your Life Matters today with Dr. Cliff Robertson. Have any questions for Dr. Robertson? Join us on next week's show and share your story or thoughts. We hope we've helped you overcome some of your deepest inner struggles. Have a beautiful week.